Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews to what I'm calling Anniversary August. To where I look at Aliens, Labyrinth, Doctor Who, the movie and Scream that have their 20th or 30th anniversary. So with that I'm looking at Aliens. To me the best of the franchise. I know that is controversial but it's true it is the best of the franchise to me. The movie that kicked this franchise into high gear and also making Sigourney Weaver a mega star, all-star, the, also the poster woman for kick-ass chicks. So with that slightly sexist comment, I'll get on with the show. By the way, this will be the 1990s special edition, my preferred version of this movie, which is 20 minutes longer. Hmm. Anyway, with that, moving on. Starring uh, Sigourney Weaver, Carrie Henn, Michael Biehn, Paul Reisner, Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen. The plot, 57 years after events of Alien, warrant officer Ellen Ripley has to return to LV-426 to face off against a horde of xenomorphs and a vengeful queen. This time she's not alone as she has a squad of hardened marines with state-of-the-art equipment by her side. But is that enough to wipe out the species or does the company have other plans? Once the 20th Century Fox plays its fanfare, we see the Aliens titles which has been ripped off many times since. We see Ripley's escape pod floating in space with the chilling theme playing softly in the background. As it cuts into the interior of the pod, we see Ripley played by Sigourney Weaver in arguably her most famous if not iconic role as a kick-ass badass Ellen Ripley, fast asleep as she gets picked up by a savage crew. Note the cutting torch is actually a camera mound. That sends in a robotic arm, which again is also a camera mount, to scan the pod, which shows there is one survivor. A shot of Earth, well not quite Earth, it's a gateway station orbiting above the Earth, and we see Ripley is in the care of a nurse, who tells her she's been asleep for a couple of days. Then in walks Carter Burke, played by Paul Reisner, carrying Jonesy, the only other survivor from the Nostromo, telling her he works for the company, but he is actually an okay guy. He also tells her she's been drifting in space for 57 years and it was blind, stinking luck that she was found that far out. However, the cat starts hissing and Ripley starts having some sort of attack as a chestbuster almost bursts out of her, but it's only a nightmare. We then see Ripley sitting on a bench in the middle of the woods with birds a chirping and a singing. But nope, it's a projection, something Jason X ripped off many years later. In walks Burke, telling her she has a meeting with the board about the events of Alien. However, all Ripley wants to know is about her daughter, Amanda Ripley. But he tells her she died two years earlier, age 66, making Alien Isolation a complete mute point, since what was the point of playing that, if you know she dies at 66. Hmm. In some really bad Photoshop picture of Weaver, aged up, in which ironically she cannot think today. She's held over a picture of her daughter. So, three hours later, Ripley is getting grilled by the inquest about the events of the Nostromo and the previous movie, as shots of the crew are flashed up behind Ripley. As the inquest refuses to listen to her about the xenomorphs, preferring to blame her for absolutely everything, stripping her of her wings, so to speak, and forcing her into psychiatric help. After the meeting, Ripley asks why not check out LV-426, with the company man saying there is no need as there have been families living there for 20 years. It then cuts to LV-426 and Hadley's Hope, which I 
thought it was called Haley's Hope for Donkey's Years. And we see its crew spot the captain for Red Dwarf Season 1, saying some mom and pop team have discovered something at the exact coordinates Ripley said the alien ship was. Also spot the nod to the Shining as a little kid plays on a trike. Cut to the quote mom and pop team and we meet Newt, played by Carrie Hen, who was a non-actor and the daughter of an army captain stationed in Britain who never worked again. We also meet the rest of her family, in which her brother is her actual brother, Christopher Hen, who again never worked again. The family drive up to the iconic ship from Alien, led by the father, played by Jay Benedict, and mother, played by Holly de Jong. They investigate the ship when, minutes later, the mother is dragging the father from the ship with a facehugger stuck to his face as Newt screams. Cut to Ripley, getting visited by Burke and Lieutenant Gorman, played by William Hope, with them telling her they have lost contact with LV-426 and wanting her to go and check it out, quote, only as an advisor, saying she has to go in with Marines packing state of equipment. When she refuses, Burke has a go at the work she got after they, quote, threw her to the wolves as a dock worker riding power lifters, setting it up for much later, teasing it's the best work she could ever do. He then tells her she can get her old job back if she agrees to go back, so she throws them out. However, much later at night, she has yet another nightmare, and note the toilet she uses is actually from an aeroplane that's BA sold to studio to use for a set. In fact, much of this stuff is actually old plane parts uh, gotten from BA. So she calls Burke on a video phone, and agrees to go back to LV-426, only to make sure the species is wiped out. Cut to the Sirocco, in some great miniature work from the Stan Winston studio, in which James Cameron called the quote, handgun in space. As the camera pans inside, we see the gun locker and the iconic power lifter. We also see the dropship and finally the hypersleep chambers. Note, this is only one bed because they couldn't afford to have several beds. So it is mirrored to look like there's much, much more. And also Cameron apparently wanted them to be hydraulic even though they didn't have the budget for it. So they rigged it up with some sort of pulley system, much to Cameron's annoyance, but due to the time strains and the money restraints, it was only one. Hmm. So the computer flashes and wakes up the crew with Hicks, played by Michael Bean, fresh from his role as Terminator, also directed by Cameron. Hudson, played by Bill Paxson, who was fresh from his role as Weird Science, and is the only person to date to star in Alien, Terminator, and Predator series. Drake, played by Mark Ralston, who is a little known actor at the time, but has now since worked in movies such as Saw 5 and 6. He also has lent his voice to many many video games, including the lacklustre Alien Call Marines from 2013, and Sgt. Apone, played by real-life former Marine Al Matthews. Note that the lockers are the same lockers as used earlier, are now just repainted to look like weapon lockers. We then meet Vasquez, or Vasquez, bloody thing, played by Jeanette Goldstein, who fought for a role as this was originally written for a man as she snipes at Ripley by asking Corporal Fer Ferrero, played by Colette Hiller, who hasn't worked since, by the by, who is the, quote, Snow White. Finally, we meet Bishop, played by the great Lance Hendrickson, who always gives 100%, no matter how shit the script is. 
And believe me, he's done a lot of shit scripts. <laughs> Authors, introduction scene being the knife trick, which when I was in school was done by everyone, so much so it was banned from our school, just as someone losing a fingertip. Went, ah, the 90s. This is where Ripley finds out and he's a droid and freaks the fuck out. One little thing, if an alien the droid was Ash, in this it's Bishop, an alien for... It's call. Why in Prometheus is it David? We know it's ABC, but come on. Prometheus was before Alien. How the fuck does that one work? Moving on. Another quick thing. Uh, they say Ash was a hyperdyne droid. Does that mean that Terminator and Alien are in the same universe? If not the same timeline? Hmm. If so, Hollywood, Terminator versus Alien, make it so. So after breakfast... Ripley tells the Marines about the Xenomorph threat, or bug hunt as they call it, and unimpressed, and they don't listen, and mock her openly. Leading to my favourite quote from this movie, assholes and elbows, which I use all the time while gaming. <laughs> With the Slocko in orbit over LV-426, and the Marines doing ship and weapons prep, I board Ripley, asks if she can do anything, so then she shows off her power lifting skills, should be power loading skills rather, not power lifting skills. Sitting's up for much later, something to do with getting away from her, etc, etc. Hmm. Impressing the sergeant and Hicks. Note, the power lifter, or power loader even, was uh, kind of like a puppet with the forklift part being built on a guy uh, under the suit with the person that sat on top of the power loader on stilts, kinda, I mean it's a weird way to design this thing. Hmm. Moving on to the pulse rifles, which were actually based on a real gun the US military was trying to make, but never actually get around to using it right, and the smart guns, which was actually a steady calm arm which weighed around about 50 pounds. Note the quote a bug stomper badge on a dropship which was supposed to be a gag, much like Adios on the smart guns. However, these set dressers put it in the wrong place and it is barely readable, let alone visible. It says, quote, bug stomper, we endanger species, with an eagle wearing army boots and holding a smart gun. Actually a pulse rifle, scratch that one, it's a pulse rifle. Note, the car or APC is actually a tow truck used to pull 747 aeroplanes and weighed 35 tonnes. It was so heavy that the production crew had to reinforce the floors or else the thing would just fell straight through it. After some close-ups of the model dropship, again some great measure work here, the dropship falls down to Hadley's Hope. We find out Gorman is a rookie and has little to no combat experience. How the fuck did he make it to lieutenants beyond me? Once Hicks tries to impress Ripley with all their shiny new toys in the dropship, the dropship then does a sweep on the great miniature work, just a shame that Cameron used some cheap 80s camcorder to film it. The Marines land and find the place deserted, however, showing signs of heavy gunfire and a desperate last stand inside living quarters. Investigating the buildings, they find them all empty, however, it does have acid damage holes. See one thing, say what you, what you will, and they did, chicken moaning about how the British worked during the 80s, but these sets are fantastic and done on the cheap. Even though it looks like it's been a multi-billion dollar budget on it, this thing is fantastic. I should say all the actors designed and de-stressed all their own outfits, apart from BN, 
Who was a last minute replacement? If any a few dead facehuggers in glass jars and midi labs, which were more or less latex gloves, they find Newt hiding in the air ducts. While Ripley takes an instant shine to her, I guess she means of her own little daughter Amy, on she tracks her down to her hiding hall, we find out she's called Rebecca Jordan and she's been hiding in here for six weeks all alone. After some touching scenes between Ripley and Newt, with Ripley's maternal side coming out, cleaning and helping little Newt come out of her shell, it's onto the Medi-Lab, with Bishop dissecting the facehugger, which was actually a crab and oyster with chicken innards. I bet you that smelled fantastic under the heavy lights. <laughs> Dear. Hudson finds the colonists under a cooling tower, so after another one of my favourite quotes, stop your grinning and drop your linen, the marines go off to find what actually happens. So once inside and going down to a sub-basement, they find the alien's lair looking much like a beehive. It's also here Ripley points out that they can't fire their guns due to be right under the power plant. So the marines get their ammunition took off them and are told to use flamethrowers only. Apart from Hicks, who has a handy shotgun tucked in his bulletproof vest or armour. And Vasquez, who somehow managed to have a hidden fire mechanism on her body somewhere. Hmm. They find empty eggs and dead colonists, and then they are jumped by drone warriors and they barely escape. This is where we see the redesigned chestburg busters with arms, which Cameron insisted they added because he dared say that the HR Greer designs were piss poor. Dear ego on this guy. Hmm. The aliens attack and most marines are killed apart from Hicks, Hudson and Vasquez and Drake who gets burned alive by his own stupid mistake I believe is the fire oh god no one knows how he dies but he dies anyway. Ripley rescues them all by driving the APC in to get them out and this is where Janet Goldstein almost died due to the plastic melting on the set and releasing toxic chemicals in the air. Once safely away they discuss what to do with Ripley saying just take off a nook from the orbit. However, Burke intervenes and says no because the site has a high door price. Also saying that these species are very much important to the company. Hicks saying he's in charge because this is now a military operation and he wants to nook it from orbit as is only to make sure they're all bloody well dead. So they call the dropship which crashes due to an alien getting on board somehow which kills the pilot, causing it to crash land. With another, one of my favourite quotes in Game Over, man! Game Over! Oh God, that was terrible. Then, Newt has another classic quote in They mostly come up at night. Mostly. This is why I love this movie. This is infinitely quotable. Taking stock of all they could salvage, Hudson cracks and Ripley puts him in his place, then takes over, asking for maps of the structure, because I just love how Hudson was this cocky weasel. Um, then, as soon as shit hits the fan, he cracks under pressure. With only four weeks before I was out, man. Four weeks before I was out. Ugh. So Ripley comes up with a plan to seal off everything and bottleneck the aliens in, which they follow without even asking a question, even though she is not military, she is a civilian. So while wielding the doors, Hicks gives Ripley a tracking device explaining he can find her anywhere with this tracking device. So Ripley tucks Newt down for the night in the lab and we have another quote in 
Mummy said there was no real monsters. No real ones anyway. That one was fucking terrible. Try that one again, John. Mummy said there was no monsters. No real monsters. That was awful. Also, but hey-ho. Um, while talking... Uh, sorry. While talking to Newt, Ripley gives her the tracking device. So Bishop tells Ripley about the alien blood, however she is interested, and talks about who is actually laying the eggs. With Hudson saying it must be a queen or some badass huge motherfucking bitch. While Ripley tells Bishop to destroy the test subjects, Bishop tells her Burke wants to keep them alive as the company has plans for them. So Ripley rips Burke a new one and he slimes his way out of it. So he sets her up with the facehuggers. Meanwhile, Xenomorphs attack, however, are gunned down by the sentry guns. So Bishop calls them all to show them the reactor is now offline and have four hours to get off planets before it blows. Ripley and Bishop come up with a plan to get off the planet by using the second dropship from Mr. Loco. Bishop goes outside via a pipe. Bishop goes outside via a pipe, which poor Hendrickson had to do, giving him claustrophobia. Meanwhile, the Xenomorphs attack again, almost getting in, so Hicks shows Ripley how to use a pulse rifle. With pulse rifle on hand, Ripley checks on Newt, and they finally get some sleep. And this is when Burke sets them up with the facehuggers, one of which Newt kills almost single-handedly, with a little bit of help from Hicks, and the other one is gunned down by Vasquez, just before it gets onto Ripley's face and choking her to death. They all turn on Burke, however, the Xenomorphs attack again, and he gets his comeuppance by an alien tongue to the head. In the attack, they find the Xenomorphs are using the air ducts like they should have thought of that themselves. If Newt can fit them, then why the fuck can an alien warrior? Uh, during the attack, Vasquez and Gorman are killed by Gorman's grenades, while Hudson gets dragged under the floor and eaten. I love the Xenomorph screams, actually elephants and chimps all mixed together. I asked about the hill and used this special effects for. Anyway, with Newt's leading the way, Ripley guides them to the landing zone. However, she falls down an air shaft and is taken to the alien lair by a drone warrior. So Ripley turns onto the ultimate badass killer machine by duct taping a flamethrower to a pulse rifle and takes on the hive. And then, in the final showdown, with a vengeful, pissed off queen, Ripley and a power loader with the iconic. Stay away from her, you bitch! Line. So during the hive attack, Weaver goes on full army, army mode, killing everything that moves. Also, in some scenes, once she finds Newt, Newt is replaced by a life-size dummy. Ironically, weighed heavier than Carrie Hen did at the time. So if you can spot them next time you see this classic movie. And right here, a an iconic movie poster is born with Ripley holding Newt in her arms surrounded by alien eggs. I've got to say, I love the, the design of the alien queen, however, those legs would never be able to hold up that body. <laughs> also, I should say that that's Weaver actually firing that flamethrower and pump action shotgun. So once Newt and Ripley escape, they return to the landing zone where Bishop has moved the ship, and this is his downfall. As the alien queen uses this chance to get on board the Sirocco and rips Bishop in two. It's then mano a mano as Ripley takes on the queen in the mega iconic power loader scene. 
During the fight, Ripley opens the airlock and dumps the Queen in. However, it pulls Ripley down with her. So Ripley somehow escapes and then holds on with one arm as she opens the outer airlock to outer space, making her the ultimate badass as her forearm can withstand the power of space or gravity even. So with the Queen jettisoned into space, Ripley patches up Hicks and puts both herself and Nook to sleep as they head back to Earth as credits roll. Wow, what can I say? If this movie doesn't get your blood a-pumping, you're a-dead. 9 out of 10. What more can I say? It has great action, heartwarming scenes with Ripley and Newt, a kick-ass soundtrack, great stunts and miniature work. One of Cameron's best, 9 out of 10. I would have given it 10 out of 10, but Newt's scream grated on me after a while. So come back next week when I look at the late great David Bowie classic, Labyrinth, and then for the rest of the month I'm doing 1996 with Doctor Who, the movie, and then the horror movie that saved the genre, Scream. Come back in September, I'm going to look at Psycho, then October is Rocktober, where I look at Alice Cooper movies. So, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, or email me movie suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com, and a bye.